today is what is it? August August twenty eighth. Signs of the Southland one hundred and eighty one. It is a Monday evening. It is storming loudly outside of my place in Midtown Atlanta. Uh, the lightning was fierce. The thunder was fierce. Uh, but I think it's fading away to where it will not uh, jump scare me mid recording. Thankfully. Um, uh, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it just got a little worse down here on the south side. So, uh, oh, oh no. Well, let's hope your power sticks around and doesn't uh, yeah. <laughs> do things to this recording session. Uh, we're going to start uh, in New York City, of all places. Uh, Chris Eubanks is currently playing his first round U.S. Open match. He's up two sets to one. Um, we'll all know what happened by the time this comes out, but he's looking pretty good to make it through the first round. As the 28th seed, I think we had mentioned um, that after his Wimbledon stuff that he was probably going to get a like a proper seating in New York and he did indeed he is the 28th seed uh playing a South Korean named Kwan I don't not not Stephen Kwan the Cleveland Guardians second baseman but some other guy named Kwan um <laughs> fair enough and then one other and then a women's basketball note Raven Boswell who's one of the freshmen last year transferred to Pitt um uh, she was not really getting many minutes probably wasn't going to get many minutes cuz we have a pretty darn good recruiting class this year that probably was going to usurp her immediately so that is the update in women's basketball. Jake, we have we have a new thing at, at Georgia Tech that we haven't exactly had in about a year and a half, maybe more. It's First called a straight quarterback? Like a starting quarterback. There we go. Let's go. I, I mean, a, even a depth chart. Hey, we have a depth chart, too, that can define a starting quarterback, too. Imagine that. I mean, I kind of like it. I kind of dig it. It makes it easier to follow what's going on. Yeah. You know? I mean, at that, and we'll talk about volleyball in a minute here. That was always a very reliable thing about Michelle Collier. You know who's going to start. That's mm-hmm. a very reliable thing about softball and baseball and men's basketball and women's basketball. Heck, the tennis lineups. We know what's going on, but and you can kind of track it through. With football, I mean, yes, there are people who are starting games, but I feel like it's just good to have more definition there, especially because it's the the sport with the most different positions. So there's a lot to keep track of. And it's one of the most important positions in sports just in general in terms of outcomes to games and how well your team performs in the first place. Um, Excuse me. So, yeah, so Canes King, the Texas A&M transfer sophomore this year, as Brent Key said in his press conference, he does have a long leash as well. So it's not like it's a, he just barely, maybe he did barely just beat out Zach Pryor, who reportedly was also like kind of pissed that he lost the job because competition and all that kind of stuff. So that's good to hear from him. Uh, but Mr. Mr. Key also said that all, all three of Gibson, Pryor, and King are probably going to see time, which I just assume means he's got plans for South Carolina State. And that's how that's going to roll. Um, but Hans King does have a long leash according to head coach. So I would imagine at least the first half of Louisville and then assuming things have not gone to the dumpster, we will see him through play through the Louisville game as the actual starting quarterback. Um, I did want to ask Jake, what, what do we remember from the spring game of him playing? I, uh, there was, I was on, uh, there was, uh, what, I was on the student side section side. I guess all of us from the student section side for the most part. I know you were in a different spot in the stadium. Um, yeah. But he he laid it like just from my eye test of what I've seen, he laid in some pretty good balls um, that day. Granted, they weren't running that many plays, and receivers were wide open everywhere, so it was kind of easy to hit guys. But in general, I liked his touch. Yeah, I mean, I I thought he was slinging it a little bit. Um, one thing I don't I don't know if you saw this. Um, and for all the listeners out there, you can check it out on the Tech uh, YouTube channel. Uh, but he was on ACCPM, and and they kind of 
went into some of the selection process. Right, yeah. I know we kind of noted the, you know, calling the guys and, and, and whatnot. Um, so go, go check that out. If you want to hear, uh, from, from Haynes himself a little bit there. And, and it is always good to, you know, check out Ramblin' Rec tube. If that's still the handle, maybe I'm dating myself there, uh, but, but, uh, but, but yeah, no, he, he was slinging it around the yard. I think at least my recollection is that I walked away from that being pleasantly surprised, mm-hmm. um, which I was not expecting to be. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I very much had my preset notion of, you know, Zach Pyron being able to, you know, command, command the ball. Well, I, I think it's honestly kind of refreshing or even good to not have to say like, Hey Zach, you know how you were good last year. And then, you know, broke your your collarbone <laughs> well you don't have to rush it back we've got you know two right. good options i mean I, I i wouldn't want him to be so upset that he transfers or something like that but i, I don't know i'm also not convinced that this isn't a psyop of like you know the uh i don't know if you remember this but the unc game jeff sims came back uh, in 2021 jeff sims came back it was the one at mercedes-benz actually uh came back from being injured sims um and they mm-hmm. like put him in on the second drive and it was, or maybe it was even the second series, but anyways, they put him in and it's like, Oh my gosh, it's Jeff Sims. And then like, <laughs> that was kind of like, I don't know. We got like a second score in a row or something like that and put the game away. So all that said, I'm not convinced that this isn't just some crazy psyop. Uh, and I'm not convinced that we won't see both of them play during the season, but it, it feels like uh, a pleasant surprise. Uh, honestly, because at first I was a little disappointed. I think Pyron's a good player, but the more I think about it, I'm like, ah, uh, the the two aces strategy, if you will. Yeah, I mean, granted, there's been a lot of practice time that has happened since the last time Pyron played oh, yeah. in a game, and even back in the spring game, we were like, hey, really, it's 50-50. Like, we knew Pyron was maybe just the fan favorite at the time because we knew who he was, but that's just face recognition. Like, that's just knowing the guy that we had, yeah. and not getting a good sense of how good Gibson, or not sorry, not Gibson. We know Gibson's not starting. Uh, that King can be. So, um, also apologies that we said we thought it was going to be. Py- yeah, we said me and Joey said we think it's going to be Pyron, and then literally the day of our posting our last episode, they announced King as the quarterback. So that was hilarious. Only only make the Whoops. best predictions on podcasts here at Sirens of the Southland. Um, that means but- you got to go back and edit it and make a really fake sounding voiceover to be oh, like. Man. I'm Jack, and I think Haynes King will be the starting quarterback <laughs> for the 2023 season. That'd be you know? funny. That'd be funny. Uh, we, we, we let history live as it, as it was made. Um, let's look forward to Louisville. Um, Akshay's not here to tell us to not predict these games, so I am totally fine with predicting this game. But before we get there, let's talk about... It's a Mercedes game, so tailgating's a little bit of a different scene here. Um, for those that are going... You have some you have some new options since the last time we had a game there. There is Wild Leap Brewing in I don't remember what the building is called. Um the old Norfolk Southern Building. Old, yes, old Norfolk Southern Building. There is a pedestrian bridge that will take you straight there um at from it's the stadium beautiful. as well. Uh it's painted very, very bright blue. So you can't miss it if you're looking anywhere in that general direction uh towards Castleberry Hill. Um they I did a great you'll... job with that, actually, because that was kind of one of my reactions when they first built the stadium was like, there's not that much around here. Yeah, and, yeah. and Castleberry Hill's really come come a, a decent way since it then has, hopefully yeah. south downtown comes next but but you know gotta start somewhere so good job yeah there. you do yeah there's uh what else you mean there's the grid there's stuff there's stuff all downtown if you're wanting to do that kind of stuff i don't know if i assume cnn center will be open uh there's also atlantucky brewing which is a little bit of a walk on north on north side drive uh but that is there that's one of the only black owned breweries in atlanta um 
I know my I'm part of Footy Mob, which is an Atlanta United supporters group, and we've done a lot of events there with them. They're cool. They're cool folks down in there. They're in Castleberry Hill as well, so not hard to get to uh, from the stadium. I assume there'll be other because it's the Affleck kickoff game. I assume there's going to be like other like sponsored stuff going on in the uh, International Olympic Plaza and stuff like that. Uh, so there will be stuff to do. I think it'll be fun. I sadly will not be there. Um, so I'll let you all have your fun that day. The game is at 7 p.m. It will be nationally broadcast. So this is, I mean, this is, as we've mentioned before in previous pods, like a massive, massive advertising day for the school. Winning will do a lot more than just put a one in the tally books. Like that will leave an impression on people that maybe want to come here, people that are thinking about coming here to play football, people that are coming here to think about coming here to do school. Um, work here, you never know. So winning football games does have a lasting impact on national TV beyond just, you know, we want a football game. Jack, would you say that those people are coming here to play school? You know, of all places in the United States of America to come play school, we are one of the places to play school and play it very, very aggressively. So um, <laughs> currently we are eight-point underdogs, Jake. Does that feel right? Uh I don't know. I I feel like Louisville's got a, a lot of incomers. We talked about coaching staff. We didn't really touch on just how many transfers uh, they have, including uh, us now having their second leading rusher. So for all the, well, Georgia Tech lost a lot of starting production, which we did. Nate McCollum's yeah. at UNC for for one and, you know, for a variety of others, Hassan Hall, et cetera. You know, there, there's just, that's how college sports work. There's a, a fair bit of turnover. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's really getting talked about enough. Um, and, and I'm not convinced that our, our defense won't be um, just a pretty stout unit and take care of business at least enough to keep us in the ball game. Maybe a score feels right. I'd probably feel more um, if I were a somebody who bet against tech, which I'm not, I don't really do sports gambling in general, but you know, if the line was closer to four, I'd be like, okay, but I don't know. I I think there's a lot of a lot of unknowns about both of these teams. Yeah, and I think I that's where a lot of the tech side of the confidence is coming from. But when you play the schedule game, if you look at it from and and I think it was basketball. We've referenced basketball conference a lot lately, but um, I've been listening to particularly the ones uh, the previews that Joey and Mike and uh, Scott have been doing about ACC teams that we play, and they made a good point again and not against Syracuse in the Syracuse. Uh, preview where it was you know if if you're prognosticating looking at the schedule as a Syracuse fan you look at the Georgia Tech and you're like ah that's a win if you're a Georgia Tech fan you look at the Syracuse game and you're like ah that's a win so one who knows and two I mean a lot of this just is that prognostication right you, yep. you can get a bunch of transfers in that have had maybe some success elsewhere where highly touted high school recruits but it's fitting them into a system how do they work with the people that are there how do they work with two new coaching staffs I mean, this is about as question mark of a game as you could possibly get, in my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It'll be, yeah, I, I kind of like how there is a lot of unknown going here on both ends. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. a, it, that makes it just a fun game on both ends. It's not just, it's not like last year's Clemson game where it's just boring. They assumed they're going to win and kill us. There's like, okay, no, there's a lot of discovery to happen that well, night. And, and, and that's kind of a, a good point, or I guess to tie it back into the Haynes Keen thing. Out of anything, he might be one of the biggest knowns of all those unknowns. Because true, I mean, true, yeah, he had some moderate success to at least experience at Texas A and M. That's mm-hmm. about as much of a track record as you can as you can get. I don't know, not to be a a, a Jeff Braun dis 
Jeff Brom disbeliever, but him a couple of years deep in Purdue lost to Syracuse last year and was 36 and 34 in his tenure. So I, I get that they got their guy, but I, I'm just not convinced. And that's why I play the games, right? I, I think it'll make for a good, for a good matchup. And based on uh, some of my friends experience trying to pick up second and third tickets and whatnot for mm-hmm. other folks that are going to be in town for this game. It seems at least to have been sold reasonably, reasonably well. So good, good. I'm, I'm hopeful that it translates into a good or a, a solid crowd too. That will be awesome. If so prediction wise, I am, here's where I'm landing. I, I think, I think you're right about the eight that the touchdown spread feels about right for now. Cause you can kind of only really go off prestige and what you, kind of happened last year for week one week zero game so it's already a little off it's just it's a guessing game it's people like us just throwing stuff into the wind and maybe it catches in vegas who knows um i i'm I'm gonna guess a four-point loss here that is my un as unbiased as i can be prediction but the ceiling of what i think can happen is like a two touchdown win for us yeah i think that's a, a pretty reasonable result i i think tech gets a little bit of a bump just from you know being home and, and all the, the benefits that true it is home yeah come with that i mean it it doesn't feel like home but it is a home game technically eh, it's the third time we've done this like it's the third time we've done this like it's it's getting there I, th- I think the idea is to try to make a second home out of that stadium yeah and and it i mean we don't have to rehash that i think we did a whole podcast episode about it when, when it was announced um mm-hmm. but I don't know. In, in terms of predictions, I'm going to be a little rosy. I'm going to say it's going to be a one score win for tech. Um, I think, uh, the, right. I mean, it's a, you think about it in like a, a distribution, it's about as close to a normal distribution centered over that, you know, maybe two to two to seven points in the Louisville direction as, yeah. as you can get in a game. It, it doesn't feel particularly out of, out of reach for either side to say that they have right. a, a fairly solid path towards a win here yeah i agree i agree and i think i think if you know and i say this as a not really much of a louisville football fan but certainly a louisville softball fan like i think knowing people on you know who have stakes on both sides anyone who walks away can walk away from a close game here with confidence for the rest of the season um yep you know it's not like a oh no like you're done like it, it 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 Kind of gives me the Florida State LSU vibes from last year, if, if that makes sense. The hey, that was a weird game, or hey, that was a close game. But you know, both teams can kind of walk away and say like, hey, but a win would be great momentum boost. I would, I win would sure. be, I win would be fantastic and would do a, of all the must win games this season. This is up there, I think, in the the must wins just to set things right for this year. Yeah. Going into before we move on to cross country, um, we. I, I uh, what was it last week? I recorded an interview with uh, the president of the Peach Bowl, Gary Stoken, who's been the president of the Peach Bowl since 1998. And this is technically a Peach Bowl like run game. Uh, they've been running this opener for a while. Uh, Affleck's now the new presenting sponsor, and we go into the story of that and all this kinds of stuff around the game. We're gonna push that out on Thursday. Uh, so this comes out on Tuesday, and two days later, you got a special little 20 minute on your drive home to work or when you're in the grocery shop and whatever little thing with the guy that runs the business side of the game. So that'll be fun. Cross country. It's about to start. It is the third sport that happens in the year for tech sports. Uh, we read the schedule, but let's actually dive into some of the names here, Jake. Uh, we lost some guys. We gained some guys. This is not like, you know, the biggest sport on campus because you can't really watch it on TV. Uh, but we've had some 
historic success in the last couple of years with, with Nicole Feagans, but she's no longer on campus anymore. Um, uh, so what, what's, what lay us a land that we're going to yeah. run on. That's, that's, that was our talking point last year. Nicole's gone. I know. <laughs> that's still the talking point. I was going to say we graduated Liz Galarza this past year. The, the, uh, the heyday of the Georgia Tech women's cross country team getting second in the conference in, in what was that fall 2020 is uh, sadly, you know, fading into the background faster than faster than you might hope. Um, in terms of prognostication, I, I think this is a season that always kind of sneaks up on you and then it sneaks away from you. It's only it's only five events long, uh, which is certainly short mm-hmm. as uh, as college events go. Um, and I say five events, um, kind of a weird way to put it. Basically there's, there's four regular season weekends plus ACCs. They will go to the NCAA South region. I guess that's postseason. I guess the ACC is postseason too. I don't know. It's very strange. Um, it's very strange. It's very quick. Um, like I said, uh, Galarza out graduated, um, James Cragen, uh, from the men's side also out, also graduated, uh, names to note uh, from the men's side. You got Zach Yeager. He's a grad uh, student. I believe that's his COVID year of eligibility then. Uh, it would be, then yeah. got uh, Nathan Solomon. Uh, Nathan Solomon is a name to watch simply because it's also, uh, I believe, oh man, how, give me a second to do some, some thinking here. Uh, I'm going to do it live on air. Nathan, how long ago did the home graduate? Was that 2019? So all that to say, um, <laughs> he's notable simply because his brother is one of the greatest uh, to ever run for tech. Uh, Nahum Solomon was uh, um, a five-year athlete at tech. I think he spread an extra track winter in there somewhere. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, graduated in, in 2019. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know, just a, a notable uh, tech name at the very least uh, in terms of the women's side. Mary Brady would definitely be uh, the top of the list to take a look at uh, in terms of the score sheets there. Uh, I think, yeah, she's a junior. Um, so that'll, that'll be that Jack. That's kind of all I got. Um, that's I, all I don't we know need. if you have any other, I any think other thoughts before we move on. I think that's all we need. They go run. That's that. It's a very easy sport. Not, not, not nothing to analyze really here. They're going to go do it. And hopefully we go win the things. As somebody who's a terrible runner, I would not, uh, Becca to call it an easy sport, but I get the I get the vibe of it is functionally like that. simple. That is it's what straightforward. It is. Functionally simple. That's more. That's where I was trying to get at. What is not functionally simple is uh, trying to become the eleventh ranked volleyball team in the country, which is what Georgia Tech volleyball is now. After winning both games in Tampa, they played. They played South Florida, beat them in straight sets. Played number eight Penn State, beat them in four, and beat them convincingly. In four sets, it was easily one of the better games in Tech's regular season history. Their twenty fifth ranked win or win against a ranked team in the regular season. If you get rid get rid of all the uh postseason games, uh, and they look great, Jake. They look so freaking good, man. They uh, we were worried about like the oh no, how do you fill in Berkman? You just they retooled. They actually did it. That's what Calvary said they did, and they actually did it. From what I can see from the. Uh... Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, from what I can tell from the, uh, you know, just highlights and clips and things, I, I mostly watched this on the stat sheet. Uh, part of it is my refusal to give ESPN any more money than they absolutely must take from me to get them live. Uh, sorry, ESPN Plus, 
Um, but uh, just in terms of stats, it it really seems like, and this was something we talked about in our preview, it seems like the outside hitters, um, not named Julia Bergman, since you know she's no longer on the team, really stepped up. I mean, they were reasonably efficient. They were reasonably effective. I I I think that's pretty good to see, especially considering Penn State. And yeah, Penn State lost twice this weekend, but they played UF, who we missed, um, their, their mm-hmm. top 25 team. And uh, they played us and, you know, we're a top 25 team. So it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the thing that, that first jumped right off the statue at me, Jack. I watched, I pay and try to read just some of like what the national tone was just country, like nationally, just where did we get mentioned at all? Did people think we were worth anything? And there, it was very little on us at all. Cause it, I think the idea was like, well, we don't have Julia anymore. So that's it. Um, they're 20th ranked because they're tech, not because they actually had the team to be 20th ranked or higher for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played easily. And I, I would say Penn state didn't have a great, day against us i mean they did they they did get a set off, set off against us but i don't think it was their i think though they will have better games this season i think they have they definitely have the talent for that but in the first game against usf like Kali had her starting seven which is at which we, we were actually our predicted one on on uh on our preview was wrong we had smiley Manyang as one of those middle blockers uh she did not play really at all uh live bogridge at middle blocker starting DeAndre Pierce is the libero swap. Uh, so she's technically not on the court to start, um, but she's in the starting lineup. Bianca Bertolino, Paola Pimentel, Tamara Otene, Bella D'Amico, and Larissa Mendez, the freshman from Brazil, is has been an absolute force because she's 6'2", uh, which is like basically our, the height of our middle blockers usually, but she's at middle blocker height but playing right side pin. And that is absolutely making problems for the yeah, for. At least it made problems for Penn State because we had three legitimately out, three legitimate outside hitters between Bertolino having probably the most power on the team, Larissa just being tall, 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 tall on the front and being helping on blocks too, and then Tam kind of could rotate anywhere from a pin. She would go up front sometimes. She would be in the back line and do just do the flying spider monkey shots that people do from the back line, which are really cool. Um, she only hits. She, she hit. She. I, I, that's. I mean, I have the image of Mary Brambia doing that from the back line. That's just what I think of every time I see something. Co- uh, someone coming from the back line. I think. I think seeing that uh, coming out of you know not having sports for like six months for COVID and being back in a gym because they only let like ten people in that yeah. fall um, to to O'Keefe and seeing that was like oh my gosh like sports are back so I I get what you mean it's, a it's very so thrilling it's so thrilling like, it's so thrilling yeah, yeah. um I, there's something that I, I talked about the attack and I want to kind of segue into this uh as kind of a related the only set that I saw us have a negative uh hitting percentage um in, in that case the errors exceeding the kills if you will was the second set against Penn State uh, conveniently also the one that Penn State won um, in, in terms of how that translated I, I'm I'm curious because it, it wasn't like Penn State was lighting up the the, the score sheet with no, tons of kills or, or anything like that and eight errors is not too too many for a it's not unreasonable for a good volleyball team playing a good volleyball team to have eight errors in a set would you say that it was just tech was a little quiet in the in the second set yeah. obviously that's the one we lost, so I mean, it's it's the one to to circle around on. But how, yeah. how did that kind of? Yeah, it definitely felt 
Yeah, I think it was just, it was a weird vibes one. Um, Darren Suker and Leia Harper came in for a decent amount of those points as well. Um, and okay. uh, which is what Kalia does. To, like if something's just off, just to try and change the vibes. She also tried that against USF in the first set, and both times it never really worked. Um, Darren Suker though needs to get reps because she's probably going to be or she might be our center next year. Uh, and Eloise Suarez was getting uh reps against South Florida because she might be our center next year too. For all we know, they're both freshman setters. And we are probably losing to Miko after this year. So, and Lauren Sandin played one point, which resulted in an ace for Penn State. So she saw literally one ball get hit, and that was it for her playing time on the court. Yeah. So yeah, it was mostly just a weird revive. That's an everyone just has an off. I mean, all these good teams will just have an off. Once you play a team that's can be better than you, you have an offset. Um, and Penn State was good enough to actually take advantage of that. So I mean, we had our 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 errors by set against Penn State. It was seven in the first, eight in the second, six in the third and fourth as well. Um yep. so it was it was happening. Um and yeah we yeah. Except we we hit a negative point three two in that set, but we hit two thirty seven in the first, one fifty in the third, and we just rolled them in the fourth at a three fifty seven. I was gonna say that that I, I made an illusion off offline um just chatting with somebody and uh, I was like, yeah the stats really jumped out and the thing that came to mind was a 357 against Penn State is a pretty good place to be. Just the fact that Tech was able to to notch 21 kills in, in a set is uh, is pretty good. Uh, it's yeah. pretty pretty good. So no uh, no shame there. Uh, I did want to note a couple other items from uh, from the score sheet. Uh, Otene and Mendez uh, led the attack with 17 and 14 kills. Uh, a piece, uh, Isabel D'Amico, of course, took uh, took most of the time at the set. Uh, Tech was very good in service, uh, and this sees through to the advanced stats uh, brought to you by Evolve uh, with two L's, uh, .net. Uh, Tech actually wound up uh, fifth in the country so far uh, in terms of uh, percentage of points won in service. Uh, so that means 55.1% of the time that Tech is serving the ball, they're, they're getting the point, which we is... We have to caveat this. We have to caveat this by the fact that they won 14 points in a row in the third set against South Florida, which will probably never happen. I mean, mean, we've played two games. Everyone's only played two games. So we have one of the most outlier streaks already nationally. That might be the largest point streak already nationally. I haven't actually checked that, but that's absurd. That's an absurd streak. Let's think stats, though. If if you're looking at how tech tech fits in, that's... That's the 99th percentile, that 55.1%. Say you do that in a streak of six, lose two services in a row, in a streak of six, you're only adding two uh, to that pot where you're not getting it. You're still you're still in the 95th. Streaks of six are still percentile. rare. Streaks of six, six are still oh, yeah. hard. I mean, but I'm, I'm saying if you move the, if you move it around. I understand. Yeah, I know. understand. Yeah, yeah. Conceptually, you can still get to that same number in different variety. In a different At least variety. very close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, 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 serving wise, we're good. Our serving is good too. Like Bianca Bertolino now has the Kayla Kaiser serve where she throws it five, so throws it 50 feet in the air with top spin and then just throws a bullet on the other side. She only got one ace on it against Penn State. I think she got two or three against South Florida. Uh, but it's making it very hard for defenses to react to it. And then basically everyone else we have serving is we generally grew like are we're taller between Modridge. And Mendez serving, like we have taller people serving, so we're getting more over the ball on our on our services. So it's 
on average, just we're throwing, we're putting in a more dangerous first ball than we were last year. Yeah. And, and that's a, a, a good point to kind of circle back on in terms of the dangerous first ball it is, you know, you're really hitting into a pretty set defense. You're, you're playing them in system. Yeah. That's going to be a time when, if ever, the opponent's the opposing team is going to be able to receive that ball and, and to, to set up their attack. Right. So if you're, you know, being effective in service, one, not giving them points back immediately. This is something that, you know, good volleyball teams do. They don't just, you know, put it in the net or put it long or put it wide or, or, yep. or whatever. Right. And two, having a ball that is, whether it's spin or power or placement or some come, it's probably some combination of all three. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's important. Right. And it's, you're not going to get somebody out of system necessarily with that, but you're going to make it challenging uh, to receive that. Um, and, and that certainly plays into to having an effective, an effective play in service. And, and honestly, one of the things when, when you first tested me and Akshay that, Oh, Bianca Bertolino is really rocking this, you know, the super high toss spinning. I'm just calling it a power um, serve, basically. Yeah. The, the, the power serve, if you will, that's a good way to put it is those are dangerous, right? There's so many timing aspects to that, that involve when you swing, how high you're throwing it, timing, probably a yep. jump of some sort. No, yeah, it is. Yeah. Push it long. You can, you know, push it out to the sides. You, it, it's probably coming across pretty flat. So if you're not getting it at the angle, that's going into the net, you know, yeah, that's but, important. If you can do it well, and that's something that I honestly don't think her last year on the flats uh, were, was as effective as the year before, but we've seen it done well, and we've seen it be effective. I think there's one game that you you know Kayla, Kayla Kaiser in the year that it was like super effective. She won like ten straight points to stave off a loss on the road at NC State with that, and and that shows the power of what you can do with a, a really effective hard to defend serve. Yeah. It's just, you're increasing the the points of error, the, the, the critical points, if you will. Yeah. Um, just by so much, but I mean, it's clearly effective on some level, even, even against a, a, a tall and athletic team, like, uh, like Penn state. It looks like, um, looks like she, she didn't have any service aces against USF. Uh, no, no, no. had three though. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Tobacco had some, had, had, had some just stuff that was hard to handle Um, against Penn state. Mm-hmm. Bertolino had 23 serves most of, on the team. Uh, She had one, she had two errors, uh, but she did have an ace in there. That was the only ace of the game. Um, mm-hmm. Reception error wise. I know we've talked about how Paula Pimentel has been a, kind of one of the sore spots there. And she mentioned on our podcast during our volleyball preview that like that is a focus for her game is to, work on reception and she had zero errors against Penn State. Otene had the only one um, it, that was marked down. It's interesting that uh, Otene and Bertolino did take uh, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that reception, but I mean, you know, they're the, I mean, they're the back line the, the whole time. They're so. the back line. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah. It's, it's them two and Pimentel are on the back line and those are who they're going to get the lion's share of these returns. Sandin had one. Oh, she did have a return. Huh? Fun. There was another return error that was like two people like running into each other, so they did not credit it to anyone specifically. Uh, let's touch on blocking real quickly. That is the Liv Mogridge area. Uh, she had four against Penn State. It's mostly going to be her. Uh, she was still getting rotated out a decent amount for DeAndre Pierce. Uh, she had two, but uh, all, all the rest of our starters, all the rest of the starters, all had one or two. And then dig wise, uh, Pimentel had twenty one to lead against Penn State. Uh, Larissa Mendez had a had six. 
Bertolino got a double, got the only double double Tekka has so far this season. She had 14 digs with her 10 kills. And Mendez's 14 kills against Penn State are her new career high because, you know, she's played two games. Oh, today's 17 kills against Penn State was the most she was tied for the most she has hit in a tech uniform. She had some 20 plus games when she was at Illinois State. So we have not yet hit her career high, but I would not be surprised if we eclipse that in one of these games because she's going to get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of attention. Also, last point. We meant last year we just kind of knew Julia was going to get kind of all of the attention for the most part on attack because it's it's Julia Bergman. You you have to watch her and put two or at least two people on her to even have a chance at defending her. In terms of evenly distributing how the distrib- dis- distribution was going to go without her, this is the number of attacks for our main three attackers. B- Bianca Bertolino, 39 attacks. Tod- Tamara Otene, 37 attacks. Larissa Mendez, 38 attacks. D'Amico just put it made it made it a total guessing game you do not know where it's gonna go that is probably the best weapon we have right now is three uh, equally give or take three very lethal outside hitter right side back line people who can put in a heavy ball with power or and with good height as well and Tobacco's gonna make you guess where it's gonna go at any given point yeah that is huge Uh, that's huge and and I I was gonna say that that's the point we made in our preview too, right? It, it's it's not. It'd be a shame and and a not really good way to put it to say that it's addition by subtraction. But Mendez seems to be that piece plus growth from Otene and Bertolino to say, hey, like yeah, you know, there's no one transcendent star. Could Mendez get there? Maybe. I mean, maybe. Seems like it. Seems like it. But it's it's weekend one. She's so doing good. Let's she, give it a season. We'll, right? get, we'll give it a but, season. For week one as a freshman, she looked amazing. She cleared every hurdle we could have possibly asked her to clear. And that was our big question, right? So there we go, right? And 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 I think one of the points that Auction and myself and you all made was like, hey, what's Otene going to do? What's Bertolino going to do? Like, they don't have that, you know, feed Bergman to fall back on. And yep. I think so far they've, they've acquitted themselves. Obviously, two tough road games coming up uh, in Ohio State's building. They handled us pretty pretty thoroughly last year they did yep. i remember walking out of that match pretty that was mad rough. That, was rough. that was a rough <laughs> so, rough game i'll note we are now ranked higher than ohio state our 11th ranked is ahead of ohio state's 12 so we will uh, i i don't think there's betting lines for ncaa volleyball i assume we're not going to be i would not put us as the favorite whatsoever um pretty sickos <laughs> yeah that 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 maybe maybe for the championships they do that i don't know if that's what vegas does here um but yeah, so we have back-to-back games this coming Friday and Saturday at 6 o'clock, both nights in Columbus, Ohio. I, w- I want to give some Ohio State uh, season so far context. Uh, we are ranked higher than them in uh, you know the coaches' poll, but the poll is the poll. Numbers are numbers. Uh, Ohio State sitting at eighth uh, overall. They're, they're 3-0, so that probably helps them a little bit uh, in, in terms of just you know stacking up more stuff if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at a 62 rating in Evolve. Uh, we are at a 61. Uh, not too, too far apart there. Um, the Delta on those rankings, I, I don't exactly know what they trans- translate to. Texas is sitting at the top of the 64-7. Uh, and just a little bit more color in terms of who Ohio State plays. I'm sure that this uh, factors into it uh, at least a little bit. Uh, their three games so far have been against Northern Kentucky, Bowling Green, and ETSU. So uh, not really the same. Uh, it, it Not not Penn State, if you will. Um, mm. They did 
get taken to five sets uh, against Bowling Green of note. So that's what I got, Jack. I think. Between all this, between us rolling and Ohio State having a little bit of trouble, I like our odds to at least put up a fighting chance to win one of these. At least one. We got yeah. two shots at it. We at least have two shots at it, which is nice. Last year, granted, we came off the... We, I think we played BYU before we played them last year, and we rolled over BYU, and then they just had our number that whole match. Um, and they still have a couple of their big weapons from last year as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I uh, Recap-wise, I will not be writing at all this weekend because I'm going to be... On a farm in Ohio, weirdly like an hour away from Columbus, but uh, kind of where the internet doesn't exist, though. So uh, we will have some sort of something about that eventually. It's probably going to be on Jake. Jake, for all we know, is going to solo this this coming week. For all. We'll see how yeah, that goes. We don't know when a podcast coming out. We don't know if we'll do anything of that. But at some point, I hope to at least write a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> or maybe I just sit in front of the mic and start rambling about being at the event at on Friday and then you know, volleyball. Something. We'll, we'll get you something. Speaking we'll of something, figure you can, you can buy a little something, something from section 103, can't you? A new something, something too. Uh, start of the football season means some fresh shirts. Um, as much as I loved the animal house, the Institute, you know, just block uh, letters that does not appear to be in the cards, but what does is a tech gold, the Institute shirt uh, with the GT interlocking on it, which gives me more, football vibes and less like haha i'm trying to be funny and make a reference vibes which i think translates to a good shirt to wear to a sporting event uh so i'm excited to see that there as sad as i am not to get the animal house uh the animal house nostalgia if you will um that said i am super excited for the other design a big interlocking gt and i don't know how this magic got pulled but jack i don't know if you know but when they standardized the brand they got rid of a bunch of the like buzz doing not like just being a B yep, things. Yep. Yep. And so I was pretty surprised to see uh the stiff arming buzz mm-hmm. with the speed lines, like carrying a football on a shirt, let alone in the polls. But now we can buy that. I am I'm pumped. I yeah. I was a sucker for the for the buzz with the wrench in the wreck that they used <laughs> to have on the MRDC, just as much swimming buzz, whatever mm-hmm. buzz is doing. I, I, I vibe with that, right? Uh, so hopefully Buzz, uh, you know, is very inspirational to our team uh, as they go out on the field on Friday. But yes. you too can get a stiff-arming Buzz football shirt that, dare I say, looks pretty pretty slick uh, and has rocketed up to the top of my list in terms of in terms of things uh, to buy. Uh, they have it in performance and t-shirt. Uh, so definitely check those out. Uh, I did all this on the fly. Uh, I didn't have this planned out before I started talking. So hopefully the message is all conveyed there. But uh, yeah, two new shirts, all in tech gold. Perfect for this coming weekend and this coming season. Uh, Maybe if you're going to a volleyball game, don't wear the football shirt and buy the volleyball shirt. Point tech. You know, they're both great. uh, And it's exciting uh, to be that time of year again. Uh, as always, free shipping on orders. Over 70 bucks every day. Times of years. We are now in, I mean, we're at the football one. It's it's happened. There was a football game in Ireland on Saturday. <laughs> it was not that exciting. Not exciting. I stopped know. watching after two touchdowns. So I was like, I think I know how this is going to go. So hopefully that's what we're going to look like in Ireland next year. Wouldn't, just imagine. Just imagine as, if that does. As the son of a, a sidewalk Notre Dame fan, and a bona fide Notre Dame hater. It's an interesting combo. 
um, you know, part of me was like, man, it was fun to go to South Bend as a kid. And the rest of me was like, I hope they lose to Navy. No triple option. But it was cool. It was cool to see. You know, the... We all have we all have lots of voices in our heads. What can I say? Me too. Uh, with all the traditions that come with football season, ours on Science of the Southlands is we uh, we talk about the ACC tasting menu and what we have coming up. And week one is predictably a lot of cupcake games because uh, you gotta gotta get you gotta get games on the schedule somehow. So that's what brings us games like Elon versus Wake for at Wake Forest, which doesn't even have a line on Thursday. Uh, so I'm just not even gonna bother saying that Elon's gonna win because they're not good. Oh, you have you have some. Well, oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say so so. I, I've thought of at least one Jake's interesting take why you should watch this game for all of these games. I've highlighted one in yellow because that one's really, really interesting. That one looks fun. That I do, I, that. Lo- I do like the oh, the inter New Yorkness of there's, that. There's a Wikipedia page about that one, but I'm getting to the point. Uh, Elon at Wake uh, is the, one of yeah, it's an FCS game, but it's a regional FCS game. So there's at least some intrigue there. I like when the, the FCS game is like a ooh, tech versus Mercer. Ooh, tech versus Kennesaw. Ooh, tech versus South Carolina state. Wait, wait, this Forest, has that. This yeah, is wake. This Forest, has that energy. Wake forest versus FCS East. If you're playing NCA 14. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But it, it's local. It's regional. Um, yeah. it, it should it's cool. Be a, it, it should it's be cool. A good game. Yeah. I'm glad they have you. I, I, it's kind of, I, I'm glad they do that. to you know, also, that there's money, that's money spent in their own state, which, you know, there's probably some cool economic factors to all that as well. Uh, staying in North Carolina, actually, no, not staying in North Carolina. North Carolina State plays at UConn the same evening Thursday. North Carolina State is a 14.5-point favorite uh, at a school that I one, at one time thought might be good to add to the ACC. That was, that was three weeks ago when before a lot of other things went down. Um, I still, I'm, I'm happy. I think I'm pretty confident North Carolina State pulling this one off because UConn, UConn's an independent now, so it's hard to really measure them because they're just playing. They're not playing many serious teams out there nowadays, but they at least got, they at least got these guys on the schedule, the Wolfpack. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that was a big thunder, man. It just won't let up down here. Uh, but anyways, um, I think the thing that makes the UConn game interesting that I just want to linger on for a second is one, the fact that it's happening. Sure. But two, I've seen a lot of like, oh my gosh, Cal's opening the season at University of North Texas, Power Five on the road. Whoa! But I haven't heard anything about NC State going to UConn, and UConn is maybe even more of a sicko's football program than I, yeah. than UNT. Maybe yeah. maybe not even a maybe. I think that's probably a definitely. Uh, oh um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my reason to watch. Is if you want if if you enjoy Cal at North Texas. <laughs> Have I got an NC State at UConn for you? This you sounds. Know? It might be better. It might be better. Um, two games on Friday, including ours. The other one is the famed. If we weren't playing that night, this would absolutely be the game of the week for the obvious reason. It is Miami at Miami. Miami, yeah. Ohio at Miami, Florida. That is uh, the Florida version has a 17-point favorite. I have no idea how good Miami of Ohio is. Uh, so... I feel confident also in say Miami of the Florida variant, the Coral Gables variant does the job here. Um, yeah, they have the same name. That's nifty. That's my that's my reason to watch line. That's I'm glad they're doing this at least one time. Like it, it, you got you got to do the corny stuff every once in a while. Uh, we talked about like our somebody game. was memeing in in the front office. There, yeah, you know? yeah. They just they just noticed. Oh, they have an open date. 
Why not? Why not? You'll get some kids to watch this game. Uh, we already mentioned our game and our predictions. Um, go Tech. Please win. Saturday. What probably the biggest? Uh, what one of the? I'll say this is the second biggest of the. Oh no, second. It, it's in the it's in the top tier of the available FBS versus FBS games. It is Virginia versus Tennessee, uh, just because it's just it's merely just an FBS versus FBS game because there's only so many of those in week one. So you gotta find you gotta get them where you can. Um, Tennessee's a 28 point favorite against Virginia, which that might even still be too low. That might be giving Virginia too much credit, honestly. They're doing this at. Nissan Stadium in Nashville too. Not, oh boy! Okay, I think, I think UVA okay. sold the home leg of the home and home. Ah, uh, uh, I see. So that okay. way, yeah, it would be like a fun road trip or whatever. Um, these two teams have definitely diverged since this series was uh, announced. Yep. yep. So certainly interesting in that regard. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was looking for interesting things. I think my interesting thing here is that. Uh, well, it'll be a fun road trip, and I'm sure Nashville on Labor Day weekend will have lots of lots of folks out and about. It, so. that, oh, oh, wait, hold on. When does Vandy play? That might be a that might be a good. Yes, they do play Saturday. So if you really like your college football, uh, you could uh, go over to uh, the construct active construction site field uh at vanderbilt for a nightcap if, if you wind up in nashville for this weekend they play alabama a&m where they are ho- holding up the scoreboard by two cranes yes exactly incredible stuff incredible that's the sicko stuff right there that that's that that's sicko's emblemized off field uh next game northern illinois is going to boston college boston college is a nine point favorite northern illinois is is like of the maction teams like definitely one of the better ones in general like i would never rule that like they played us i think they played us pretty well didn't they did we lose to them sorry oh right they beat us. fuck every word that has come out of your mouth in this string has just managed to make me more and more so jeff collins i'm mad. so sorry and i, I forgot I was about this beyond game. being mad about jeff i collins, forgot about so. this game oh, what is it? oh dear god all there's right. a reason it's because it was bad all right we're skipping this wofford at pit no line because it's wofford playing at pit What's See, fun about this game? Wofford should be playing like Clemson or South Carolina or one of those FCS games that's down there. But for some reason, they were like, you know, we all really want a Primanti Brothers sandwich. And I don't I don't hate on them for that. You know, um, in terms of what's interesting, uh, Wofford gives me like they've played everyone in the ACC at some point vibes, even though I have no idea if that's true. And so I feel like they're always getting mentioned in things like this or us talking about basketball or something like that. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my Wofford bit or baseball. They're always just yeah. around. Yeah. I don't know they're what, local. what it they're is local. about Wofford. They're nearby. They're they can, yeah, they can be, they can be around. Um, we actually got Clemson and South Carolina coming up later in this. All right. This is the one you highlighted Colgate at Syracuse, the inter upstate is- New York battle. They're only located 38 no miles from each other, and there's a Wikipedia page de- uh, dedicated to this. Uh, I imagine their hockey matchup. team. I imagine like their non-rev teams would play in everything too. Like I imagine their. I know Colgate has a okay half okay decent hockey team, so I imagine those two teams square off a lot. Knowing not much I think else, lacrosse about this. or that too, yeah, yeah, lacrosse yeah. rivalry too. Probably, but um, the the one that comes to mind here is so for years, Jack for. Years and years and years, they play this annually or just about. Uh, again, they're only 38 miles from each other. Um, would you believe me if I told you that this series is currently tied 
What? <laughs> Who did they last yes. play? Uh, 2016. Okay, I assume Syracuse won. Yes, Syracuse has won. Uh, let's count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 in a row. So at one point, this series was 31, 15, and 5 in Colgate's favor. Wow. Daggum. Yeah. So if things shake out how Syracuse, you know, seems to think they will, for the first time since... For the first time since November 17th, 1950, they will have the lead. Or wait, no, because that's just the last time Colgate won was November 18th, 1950. Shoot. I don't know that Syracuse has ever led this series then. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't think they have. Wow. I'm glad they're playing no. this game then. I love this kind of petty stuff. To just Even though Colgate never will sniff anything close to what Syracuse can dare to sniff in FBS football. Like it's still fun to take care of these these petty things like this. Well, and and that's the thing too. So when when uh, in the I believe this early '60s when they went to Division One A and Division One Double A, uh, Syracuse and and Colgate, who who again had been playing annually or semi annually since 18, 1891, uh, though the last God. time it happened wow. at the last time it happened at Colgate was in eighteen ninety seven. It's been played at Syracuse uh, for what 62 times in a row or something like that <laughs> basically they've only played this is the, their sixth meeting since 1961 um they played three times in the 80s once in 2010 once in 2016 and then now um i'm not going to blame this one on college realignment i think this is you know a la university of chicago saying we're going to bow out of major athletics or wash you saying we're going to de-emphasize major athletics etc cetera, etc cetera, um more than you know um I guess the more than the realignment thing, but it's cool to see stuff like this happen. Um, and and I think this is going to be something that I'm going to make a point of to point out this year. We all get Texas and Oklahoma, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Uh, you know, the, the list is way too long this year of things that aren't going to happen much yeah. after this year. Um, but in between this, you've got UVA, Maryland, uh, Pitt, West Virginia, West Virginia, Penn State, um, those come to mind. I think Texas plays Rice, you know, just things that feel like they should, if you yeah. will. They feel college football um, are still happening. Um, so I'm going to try and, and call those out where I can. And this is chief among them. Um, I, I will say this this rivalry, This it's not a very long Wikipedia page. Um, it, there's multiple stunts involving airplanes dropping flyers onto campuses with various uh, <laughs> claims of voodoo and reverse voodoo. Uh, somebody died a lake, a lake orange. Uh, another, well, that's obviously Syracuse that died a lake orange. Um, Colgate students bombed red paint into old Archbold Stadium uh, from an airplane. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, you know, like that's old school college football. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe now there's a roof on the stadium, so you can't really dump red paint on the Syracuse's outdoor football stadium anymore, but that's still neat. And I, I think it's fun. Helicopters exist. Anyways, uh, <laughs> North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, one of the, uh, this is, this is an annual game, right? This is an annual rivalry that they, oh. no, it's not. Okay. I've just seen it happen. They played in a bowl game a couple of years though. I think it got, I, yes. Cause Shane Beamer got Mayo dumped on him. Oh, that's right. Was, that's right. That's right. He missed right. out on having Mac Brown coated in Mayo. <laughs> uh, North Carolina is a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I mean, South Carolina was kind of half good last year. Like they, they figured some stuff out at the end of the season too. Like mm-hmm. I, I, two and a half, 
They did beat Tennessee. Uh, so, I mean, I could totally see South... I, I think I want to go South Carolina here. I just outright. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably a wise call. I was expecting the line to be in South Carolina's favor. Honestly, they got Spencer Rattler at quarterback, and they, like you said, seemed to figure stuff out last year. So I see no reason why this team couldn't yep. surprise people. And as always, I'm kind of a... Uh, a perennial doubter of UNC's uh, helmet bump that they seem to get every year. So let's yeah. let's call it on both on both regards. Yeah, I, I agree there. Old Dominion travels to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is sixteen point favorites. Um, less than I would have thought. Didn't Old Dominion make it? Did they jump to FCS or might making or FBS or might making something up here? Uh, they're in conference USA. They're they're definitely. Or maybe they went over. No, they went over to the Sun Belt. See all this realignment stuff. So I know um, something happened with Old Dominion. Whatever, whatever, whatever they, it was specifically. They were in the Conference USA, and now they're in the Sun Belt. Okay, and that's that, what I, I remember. That being a talking point because the Sun Belt used to be see, perceived perceived as a lesser league than Conference USA, and now it's like, wow, they have all these cool regional rivalries. Yeah, what a concept bad. for a league. <laughs> I know it ain't yeah. bad. It ain't bad at all. Uh, Virginia Tech, 16-point favorites. I guess more because Virginia Tech's not going to be great this year. So, uh, hey, maybe, 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 this is, maybe this is the upset of the week is Old Dominion figures something out. That'd be something. I've got an FCS pick uh, buried in our shot sheet, but I'm going to save my thoughts on it. Or not? Wait, this isn't even an FCS pick. Pick. no it's not oh. you got me all thrown off with the something moved it's just sunbelt it's not fcs no yeah yeah, yeah. sunbelt's fbs they're there they, they count they count okay yes moving on uh another one of the notable notable games of the week lsu and florida state lsu is two and a half point favorite sure i guess i don't know how i mean florida state's eighth right now but we have no clue if that's gonna be a legit eighth, eighth, eighth ranking though like that just seems weird to me I'm not convinced that LSU's like a the number five team in the country either. Fair I don't too. Know. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's a highlight TV matchup, top ten versus top ten for whatever top ten actually means in week one when no one's played any games. But I just wish they played these uh, these both on um, on campus. That's that would be yeah. that'd be nice in, instead of being in the. I was going to say pro stadiums, but the Citrus Bowl is not a pro stadium. Nope. So. No, it's not. Whoops. It is not. It was for a half second when Orlando SC played there, but that was it. Last game, Clemson at Duke. Clemson's a 13-point favorite. I feel confident Clemson's going to pull that one out just just fine. Duke, uh, while they did have the Elko bump last year, feels I, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a tad bit of regression that happens this year, and Clemson tends to not really regress past like the eighth ranking in the country. So... Uh yeah, I, I like Clemson here outright in with the spread. Outright, okay. I don't know if I'm that much of a believer the, in Duke falling off. It's the first game of the year and it's at Duke, but that's going to be very Orange Stadium. If any, uh, if yeah. any of my past experiences at Duke are to be to be believed, but I mean, I guess if you're picking Clemson, you kind of you kind of just pick Clemson outright. So yeah, yeah. I, I I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Sicko's pick of the week, our second main football tradition that we do annually. Uh, where if you don't know what sickos are, just look up sickos committee on Twitter and you'll figure it out from there. Uh, in general, in our game, we we're gonna this part we talk about games that are you definitely should not watch if you want to stay sane. I think is the definition that I have kind of understood this to be. If you yeah, are try- so engrossed in college football that the weirdest of stuff interests you, you have welcomed. You are in the sickos realm. 
I try not to pick games involving FCS teams unless I legitimately believe it can be an upset. Um, though I do legitimately believe this is what I was talking about before. Northern Iowa could pull off the upset at, upset at Iowa State. Sure. Uh, referenced Cal being on the road at UNT. Referenced West Virginia, Penn State renewing a rivalry. I don't like picking ranked games either. So I was I was mulling things over. I saw Liberty's playing Bowling Green. I was like, oh wow, Liberty's uh, logo is also a bird on on letters. What a weird, what a weird <laughs> pairing there. Um, and then I thought about Northwestern at Rutgers because that seems like the definition of sickos. Uh, but really, yeah. what I settled on was Stanford at Hawaii. They're playing <laughs> at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. God's time on Friday night um, at Hawaii. Stanford at Hawaii. Stanford favored by three and a half. Jack, do you know Hawaii's current uh, stadium situation? Oh, isn't Aloha Stadium like not? like in one piece anymore it's condemned oh they god, play, oh god. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to to describe this um so do they play on the same property are they on a different property now no they're they're on a different property they're uh at their athletics conference complex and when i say athletics like we mean like in like the olympic sense of the word they're playing at their track uh stadium it's right behind their baseball stadium uh and next to their pool like it's like their on-campus um like sports complex if you will and i don't know i've seen aerials of this place it doesn't look like it could seat more than like five thousand people but the stanford nominally for at least one more year a power five school arguably the most successful school across all athletics combined yeah is basically going to play and I didn't come from like a crazy football powerhouse high school. I legitimate, legitimately believe that my high school could seat more. Uh, oh, both probably could. more fans yeah. than, oh, than yeah. the Hawaii track. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, both but, most high schools and, with and assemblies add to of that, that it's 11 p.m. on a Friday night. It, <laughs> it, it does not get much more sicko than that. I it's a day like. game where everyone on that Stanford team is going to be looking forward to being on in hawaii during sunset like it is fake yeah. it is a no, it, 11 p.m jack it's in the middle of the night for us oh no, no they're oh, playing it fair. yeah no for them that's a day game that's a day game out guess, there in the middle of the pacific i guess it is still 5 p.m there yeah good point wow yeah it's late out there <laughs> yeah yeah no it's yeah it's hard to watch hawaii football if they're playing in hawaii uh for mine i I mean, it's not totally sicko, sicko, but I I saw that TCU was a 20 and a half point favorite over Colorado, (laughs) which I just found so entertaining. Because TCU, A, is like ranked like 17th right now after their last game was a terrible showing in the national championship game. Uh, And they still have this massive, massive, they're still massive favorites over Colorado in what is the, is Coach Prime worth anything game, basically. Uh, So I just find it hilarious that the biggest loser in, college football playoff national championship history their next game after that is not exactly a reset game it's a okay you have to deal with the, possibly the biggest media storm in college football right now and that is colorado football you would not guess that it was such a large spread based on the like promo coverage right yeah thing. like i saw i saw the number of like this doesn't make sense like i that def, that did not make sense like i mean the colorado retooled like they absolutely retooled they retooled from basically the bottom of the barrel, though. So, like, I heard they might suck still. I mean, who knows? Um, 
they probably will. Hard to, to this is the biggest test we've seen in FBS of truly remaking your entire team in one year via the transfer portal. So yep. it will certainly be a test going both ways. Does TCU still have it? And did Colorado actually do something here? So yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. That's for sure. Jake, do you have any trivia for me to before we close? I do this have Zoom trivia. Call? It's not out of my personal site uh, today because I spent some time yesterday with demographic data for Georgia Tech. Um, essentially, the 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 question that we were looking at was: Is the Atlanta Metro really punching above its weight in terms of Tech admissions? Uh, we found that yes, uh, un- kind of a, at least to me it was unsurprising. Uh, a lot more Fulton representation, um, and then followed by a couple of your other Metro Atlanta counties there in terms of kids uh, uh, enrollment per 1000. So we did normalize it based on, on population uh, of the County um, was just pretty, pretty interesting there. Other things that we, we saw looking at it uh, was that uh, the second biggest identified geography behind Fulton County, uh, who currently has about 4,300 last year uh, enrollees was uh, the nation of China followed by the nation of India uh, followed by the county of Gwinnett and the state of California, which I thought was just, uh, you know, you know, biggest two countries in the world by population. Uh, California, obviously, you know, the big. Basically a country, state. but a state, um, yeah. And then, you know, Cobb, Texas, Florida, DeKalb, unknown out-of-state, Virginia, New York, New Jersey, Forsyth, um, North Carolina, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Illinois, South Korea, Canada. Um, no real surprises there, um, but was certainly interesting. All that to say, I found this all out of a very interesting fact book. Jack, my question today is very simple. According to the Georgia Tech fact book for for demographics, Mm -hmm. basically they got stats on alumni, they got stats on faculty, this, that, and the other thing, everything you could possibly imagine and more um, that they can, you know, legally put out there um, without being identifiable. Jack, my question for you is what is the top employer Georgia Tech's alumni. Oh, okay. Let's think this through a little bit. A lot of engineering okay. going on. A lot of engineering going on. Well, and 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 that's a good point too. I do want to point out um, a couple more stats, but stay okay. on that train of okay. thought because okay. good thoughts. Um, I did have uh, breakdowns by college as well, and those stretched back to 2013, not employment, okay. but just in terms of just, enrollment. Yeah, okay. Um, some really interesting stuff. Um, over the last 10 years, uh, the compound annual growth rate for computing bachelor degrees is 14.2% growth. There are 4,300 enrolled computer science uh, undergrad students in 2022. There were only 1,300 hmm. in 2013, which is crazy growth. Yeah. You hear that, and that's nuts. The number of master's students pursuing a computing degree has gone from 360 in 2013 to 13,042 in 2022. Isn't there a lot and of yes, online? A lot of that's online, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot of it is online. Uh, OMCS. It's like a. It's like the program that's yeah. like driving Georgia Tech's growth. That and the the online masters of uh, analytics uh, and, and the engineering one that they do there. There's a an 18 and a half percent compound annual growth rate among engineering master's students. Um, so just inter- those jumped right out of the, right out of the page at me. Uh, 7% CAGR for 
College of Design undergraduates, which I thought was surprising. Um, feel like that's kind of an underrepresented in terms of their their size there. Uh, engineering uh, bachelor students have actually decreased by 2% since 2013, 2% uh, annually since 2013 uh, from 9,300 or yeah, 9,300 to 7,900. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, and there's one other one that I wanted to call out. While business was flat at exactly 1,300, give or take two dozen um, Same building. undergrads. There's, the, there's no additional class space. It's always every class is full, anyways. Like there was no room. There's no room to grow in that building unless you start doing undergrad classes at 8 p.m., which they ain't doing that. So, yeah. Um, so, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. You know, seeing seeing just how much the College of Design grew when um, mm -hmm. the College of uh, or Ivan Allen uh, didn't see nearly the uh, the same, quite the same growth. I won't say nearly the same growth. They both right. grew a lot, but. Just interesting trends there. All that to say, my question today is what is the largest employer knowing all of that of Georgia Tech grads? Largest employer knowing all that. That's what you said engineering was kind of, it'd, so it'd be a lot of engineering folks, a lot of computing folks nowadays, uh, neither of which are by strengths in terms of industry and stuff like that. I do uh -huh. want to say on the engineering thing, engineering is very bifurcated in terms of places that people go in order to, you know, do their engineering, right? Is it so just the state of Georgia? About, you're on the right track. You are on the right track. Keep thinking like that. It's not the state of Georgia, but it is affiliated with the state of Georgia. Okay. And perhaps I'm being a little semantic in making you make a difference there. That's your hint. So, wait, what, wait, 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 is there like a state contracting engineering group in the state? or You could say that. Okay, this is where the, my knowledge kind of goes away in terms of how this is organized. The largest employer, uh, or is there a union? From... Is there a union? Is that what I should be going for? No, okay. no. It's it, you're gonna hate me for this. Oh no! <laughs> the largest employer of Georgia Tech grads is Georgia Tech. Oh fuck you! <laughs> I should have guessed. <laughs> guessed this just from GTRI. Honestly, I should have just thought there. That's where I should have. No, started. GTRI is a separate line item. Six hundred GTRI grads. They're tenth or eighth. Sorry, uh, on the list. George, just straight up Georgia Tech is number one with 2,746 uh, of Georgia Tech's approximately 200,000. I think, yeah, approximately 200,000. So 1% per, so common employer there. About, yeah, about one and a quarter of a percent. Okay. All right. So wild, uh, I do want to give some other, so where I was trying to like start feeling guesses is when you think about engineers, one, a lot of your different engineering disciplines go to different companies, right? So yep. mechanical engineers, BMEs, EEs, a lot of them wind up at different fields. And a lot of that's really split. You know, a lot of yeah, MEs yeah. wind up at as like the plant engineer at a plant kind of thing. Um, Google's your number two with about 1,200. Microsoft number three with 1,000. Yeah. Uh, Amazon, uh, 950. Home Depot, 660. Apple, 650. Lockheed Martin, that's AEs. You're, you know, a lot of, yep. a lot yep. of them go yep. to to specific places. That's your Lockheed Martin GTRI with 600 Delta with 520. Um, that, uh, that's again, with a lot of these, you're, you're getting, you know, Apple's going to have design Lockheed's going to have Emmys and EEs and AEs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after Delta with about 520, you've got Intel with, with 470. So, uh, okay. an interesting mix of, um, uh, of options there, but you got to think when, when you're thinking Georgia tech, I think at least when I was in school, one of the things is like, man, I feel like you never run into 
Georgia Tech folks and like the bureaucracy or the management of Georgia Tech, a lot of those tech grads are tech staff. And and by staff, yeah. I, sh I should say professors, right? Yep. Yep. So that's, that's, you know, the, the people who are teaching the ME and the EE and the business mm -hmm. and, and the design, a lot of those are, you know, Hey, I went here, I know this professor, or, you know, I I'm working as a post-grad or I'm, you know, heck, I, I wonder if, I don't think most PhD students count for that because they're probably still counted as enrolled students, but who knows? Maybe they're counting our friends who, you know, went on to do masters and PhDs and are currently on the uh, HR payroll because they're in labs over there. I don't know mm -hmm. what the exact breakdown is, but yeah. Solid I news. Told you it's, it's an interesting, it it's is an interesting. interesting question. If you go week. to Georgia Tech, you have a 1% chance of working for Georgia Tech, basically. It, it worked for Brett Key, did it not? It did work for Brett. I, Good old Bronx I, got his job. Eileen Morales, Brent Key, Kenny Thorne. That's at least three off the top of my head out of the yep. 17 sports. I guess he gets a little weird with swimming and track and stuff like that. But eh, not bad. Not all bad. more to think about. Not bad at all. Uh, that that we we went. I think we we went longer than we thought we were going to do. We, we we told ourselves there's going to be plus or minus 40 minutes on volleyball. So uh, I think we got. I think we got a lot in for a week with basically no football news and two total games. Two games were yeah, played. We always go longer than we thought. We always <laughs> do. We always do. All right. Well, in that sense, take us home, please. Yes, absolutely. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through the summer. It's exciting to be back in sports season. Uh, if you're around at the Benz on Friday, feel free to give us a holler. We look forward to seeing you there. Uh, in terms of finding us in the meantime, you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. Uh, you can find us uh, via email, fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com, Twitter uh, at FTRS blog, Jack's at Jack Nicholas. I'm at Jack, Jake Grant 98 uh, You can find Section 103 there as well at Section 103 and Section103.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at From the Rumble Seat. And you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed. As always, tell your friends. Uh, we do appreciate it. Word of mouth is the most powerful way uh, to tell people about a lot of stuff, whether that's this fine podcast or just the great thing about going to a tech game or, you know, selling somebody that you might know uh, who wants to attend there as a student, uh, never underestimate the power of a few kind words in general. As always, good night. Good luck, and good luck.